Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Have you made any friends since you moved to Boston? Oh, a few, if you count cats. <laughs> <laughs> You're really cute. I'd love to have a friend like you. Look, Sam, could we be in on the inception of a budding romance? You talking about a foursome here? <laughs> How can you make a sweet, innocent flirtation into something tawdry? I could tell you it would be a lot more fun to show you. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me this time to discuss the second episode of Cheers' Season 4, titled Woody Goes Belly Up, is a returning guest and a good friend of the show. You know him as the host of Monday Movie Muckabout over on the Longbox Crusade Network, as well as the co-host of Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. Please welcome back Rick Heineken. What is up, man? Yay! Woo! And the crowd goes wild! Woo! Uh, not too much, my friend. I am doing quite well here on this wonderful sunny day. It, it, it has been a, a long time. I feel like a lot has changed. And, you know, the, m- season three of this podcast was kind of dominated by me talking about being at the virtual bar with all of my guests because of everything that was going on. And I feel like were it not for the 3,000 miles of distance between us, we could probably saddle up at an actual bar and talk about this. That would be quite lovely. I, I have been enjoying seeing a few of my friends uh, in person now that we all are vaccinated, and so been uh-huh. getting together with a few more people, having some more drinks with them. But I would like to have a drink with you too. I think that would be quite enjoyable. Yeah, that's on my bucket list, and I'm going I, to I drink do- it from a bucket. <laughs> As well we should, as well we should. I did, though, bring a beer, as is my tradition with this show. Well, it's it's, it's not a beer, it's a cider this time. Okay. But <laughs> is it a uh, topically thematic to the episode? It is, but you must bear with me. Okay. This is Reverend Nat's hard cider, Viva la Pineapple. The quote on it is, come friends, I will bring the cider, we will drink ourselves full, and the night shall be spirited. Drinking ourselves full, will, full being the operative part of this episode, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, that sounds cool. All right, well then let's get into it so we can explain to the audience why that is important. Episode 402, second episode of season four, Woody Goes Belly Up, written by Heidi Perlman. Again, this is two episodes in a row. This is Heidi Perlman has now become, she's one of the uh, main producers of the show for this fourth season. Directed by Jim Burroughs, obviously. The original air date was Thursday, October. October 3rd, 1985. Diane and the guys take an interest in Woody's love life when the young bartender appears to be painfully shy around women. Woody confesses that he misses the love of his life, his hometown girlfriend Beth, who stayed back in Indiana. The rest of the gang, minus Cliff, 
pools their resources to fly Beth out to Boston to visit Woody. In the meantime, Fraser has run up a bar tab that would make Norm envious and lost his ability to practice psychiatry. In order to regain his self-respect and to make Diane feel bad about rejecting him, Fraser starts to work at Cheers sweeping the floors and cleaning the bathrooms. Later, Beth arrives, and Woody is shocked to see her, not just in Cheers, but 50 pounds lighter than the last time he saw her. Woody, too, reveals that he dropped 100 pounds after they split up, but no sooner do they reunite than they start overeating at every opportunity. Fraser diagnoses that Woody and Beth repress their sexual urges due to their strict Christian upbringing and sublimate sex with food. Sam and Diane take Woody and Beth to a restaurant to help them control their diets and discuss Frazier's diagnosis. When they realize that they've been repressing their desire for the wrong reason, Woody and Beth take off to burn some calories, leaving Sam and Diane alone at the table. Before long, the two start talking about how great their passion used to be, and in order to prevent themselves from going back down that path, Sam and Diane start to pig out on every item on the menu. All right, Rick, what did you think of this episode? This was all right. <clears throat> this was a fun episode. It had a lot of good jokes in it. Nothing consequential, really, at all. Another another small little chapter in the, ah, oh, they're back together again, Sam and Diane story. But we get to have a little bit of insight into Woody. This is where we start to open the book on, <laughs> open the book full of blank pages that is Woody. Uh, <laughs> And Woody Harrelson's character in this, I enjoyed it. It was uh, it's not the, my favorite, I would say, but it is quite fun and is a good pastime of Cheers. Yeah, that was that was sort of where I came down with it too. It's a fun episode. It's a light yeah. episode, not an essential episode. You could skip no. this one. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it because I I think they're all rewatchable and they all they're all valuable and they're all good. Um, but. Yeah, like my memory coming into this season, as much as I love Woody, and this is this will be a running theme, and I'll, I'll probably debate it with a lot of guests. Like as much as I love Coach, and I would marry Coach mm-hmm. if it were acceptable, because he's dead. Um, but, <laughs> but as much as I do, I will always make the case that Woody is a better character. For part of it is quantitative because we get eight years of Woody, yeah. and we had two and a half years of Coach, and Coach yeah. was a fully formed character. Coach, in the pilot episode, is the same Coach as, that we get in his last appearance. Yeah. Um, and it's a great character. It's a great setting. With Woody, we do get to see an evolution over eight years. We get to see him grow and change and become one of the few characters that I think could lead, could take over, could be the lead of the show if need be. Um, yeah. I, like If there was going to be a spinoff other than Frasier, I think Probably Woody is the only one that could handle a leading role as as a spinoff character. Um, I could buy that. I could buy that. But with that said, I think it takes it takes some time for Woody to mature into and to grow into that. And my memory going into that was that season four and season five, the Woody centric episodes aren't great. They're not super mm-hmm. memorable. Um, but I found myself really, really enjoying him in this episode and, and this pop yeah. plot line, even though it's not something we do see, we do see Beth again in one more episode after this one. And I'll come back. Um, the, the girl in question here, Beth Curtis played by Wiss or Weiss? Weiss. Uh, Weiss. Weiss. Okay. Amanda I, can, Weiss. I can never remember this. Yes. Beth Curtis played by Amanda Weiss. Um, uh-huh. like I said, first of two appearances on Cheers. Yeah. People I, I, know her. <laughs> 
I need to stop you. I'm going to interrupt you right now before you go on any further with her because I need to bring this back around to us, my friend. I need to bring this around to us because (laughs) I had you on my show and we talked about the little movie Highlander. Mm -hmm. And this lady, as soon as she popped on the screen, I was like, I know her. I know her because I watched the TV show of Highlander and she played Randy McFadden, a horrible character, on (laughs) seven episodes of the first season of Highlander. She was not an immortal. She was a reporter and she was trying to hunt down this weird story about this guy who like was always in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've interrupted you. No, no, no. I just I had that in my notes too. There. I had that in my notes too, just for you. That she was in seven episodes of the Highlander TV series. Yep, yep. Um, other other purveyors of like film and television might recognize her uh, from A Nightmare on Elm Street. She's, I mm-hmm. believe, Freddy's first victim, first on-screen victim in the A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, she was also in the movie Better Off Dead with John Cusack, where she actually played the ca- a character named Beth again. Um, also in like the movie Silverado. So yeah, she's uh, she's a good one. Um, and uh, so yeah, so so she, when she comes in, it's like I, I remembered her being part of this. And even though she will come back, their their plot line of like overeating and overindulging and everything, it's it's kind of like a fun. It gives us some interesting visual gags, but it's not something that's going to come back for the rest of the season. But, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I found her to be. I, I first was groaning. I was like, oh god, no, not her. But I enjoyed her character. I enjoyed. The persona that she portrays, I enjoyed. She's cute. She mm. portrays cute very well, which is what you want. You don't want a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous drop dead woman coming in, but you want somebody who is cute, who's got that little Midwestern kind of flair or accent. And I think she pulls it off quite well. You can see, I mean, you have to imagine her being much larger and you have to imagine Woody being much larger, but you can see the two together. They have a good chemistry together. Right. All right, getting into the episode, um, our teaser, we start off with Norm suddenly realizing out of nowhere that it's his anniversary, and of course, because it's Norm, he has not gotten a gift for Vera, and by now all of the stores are closed. Um, They're like, well, you can think of something, and he gives it the good college try and thinks of something for... Two seconds. Yeah, yeah, charitably. He's like, well, I'm, I'm fresh out of ideas. Um, and Woody suggests, and of course, you know, Woody's fresh-faced. He's new. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know the, the state of Norm's, uh, Norm's mm-hmm. marriage and everything. So he's like, how about a nice night of romance? Uh, and, and Norm, as he tells Carla, would rather get her an ashtray and a pack of cigarettes. So, yeah. Uh, there was a good line there. Um, are you afraid of getting the cold shoulder? Well, no, it's more the hard knee. <laughs> the hard knee, yeah. I like that one. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the, yeah. Hey, this 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 ashtray is pretty good. Yeah, cleans he, he actually dumps out the, like their ashes in it. He dumps that and like <laughs> like cleans it, rubs like rubs it, like scuffs it up with his uh, that, with his jacket. Yeah, he doesn't even like don't try to wash it or anything. Just dry rub it <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, and he's like happy with it. He's like this thing, a pack of cigarettes, and a book of matches or something, you know. And, and, and the button line, the button line is great on. Because Cliff sets him up. He's like, hey, does Vera even smoke? Which is a nice operative question. Cause... Well, she's been known to smoke. You know, after sex, occasionally during. (laughs) (laughs) And it's perfect. It's perfect. It's a nice little teaser. So, yeah, nothing to the episode. Very nicely packaged and a good use of those supporting characters. Right, right. And now at some point later, Frasier is there. And this is kind of the start of a subplot where they really liked Frasier and they needed a reason to keep him on the show when he wasn't a love interest. Mm -hmm. So... 
He's going to be pining for Diane and trying to win her back, but why is he always at the bar? So they kind of shoehorn in the, the subplot with he's, he's going to start working there and sweeping the floors. And it gives him an excuse. At some point, they'll just be like, no, he's just down to their level. He just becomes a regular and, like them. And, and they set that up already. They, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it, but, you know, there's a point in time where he's part of the crew that plans – getting the girlfriend out here mm-hmm. they didn't invite cliff but they invited him <laughs> yes so exactly. I mean, he's already one of the guys mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah and he mentioned it as much the episode before this when he said he says you know despite everything he still considers sam his good friend mm-hmm. uh, so yeah he's his bar tab is up to 500 dollars, which makes sam a little bit nervous and he, he says no one wants to pay a man for sitting around drinking all day enormous rejoinders <laughs> it's a world gone mad a <laughs> phrase <laughs> You know, it's like everybody looks right at Norm with that one. It's like that's a setup line for Norm if you ever heard one. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and Fraser, you know, he says he wants to hit rock bottom. You know, he really wants to mm-hmm. build to in order to climb his way back, in order to be truly worthy of a getting his psychiatric practice back in, in full swing, and also be perhaps more importantly winning Diane's affections. He really needs to you know start from the bottom. So he's asking to if he can like sweep the floors and clean the bathrooms for Sam, and Sam says, oh, I don't know, and Frazier leaps to, I love this, leaps to the assumption that Sam would think that this type of job is beneath Frazier, mm-hmm. but that's not what Sam was thinking. No. He's like, no, no. He's like, no I, I don't know where Woody keeps the broom. <laughs> Sam is one to take somebody in at a below minimum wage salary, because <laughs> you know that, you know, if he's paying him anything, it's he's basically probably just paying off the bar tax. Oh, sure, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he has got no problem at all utilizing free labor like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Woody's at the bar flirting with his other girl who we meet first, uh, that she's credited as Lisa, played by mm-hmm. Elizabeth Kiefer. She's appeared in soap operas, General Hospital, One Life to Live, Young and the Restless, and Days of Our Lives. I think that's the full bingo card. Um, yep, pretty much. Lots of other shows, Facts of Life, 21 Jump Street, Happy Days. Um, her most, re- yeah, her <laughs> most recent work, according to IMDb, is she is a voice in the 2018 video game Red Dead Redemption 2. I just thought there that was go. an interesting credit for, for this girl. But uh, yeah, so anyway, so she's flirting with Woody and he just clams up and everything and has to basically run out of there. Yeah. And their natural assumption is that he's shy around women, you know, he, he mm-hmm. you know, uh, so they, they sort of approach that's that, uh, the case, everything. Um, before that, there's an exchange between Sam and Diane that I love when he's still with her. Yeah. Um, and how does Diane, she, she's observing them flirting and what does she say? She says, are we, are we are we witnessing the inception of a budding romance or something like that? And Sam's like, "Are you talking about a foursome?" <laughs> Must you turn everything I say into something tawdry? Yes. yes. How, can you, how can you do that? He's like, "Oh, I can, I can tell you, but it's a lot fun, a lot more fun to more show fun you." Show, yeah. And as he's doing that, he's got the the spray. He's got the hose, the spray yeah. filling. Um, he, I think he poured gin or something. He's making like a yeah. gin tonic or something. Yeah. He's pouring the water, and she like. She hits the hose or something, the spray nozzle, and it's like splashes his shirt. It's a nice little comic it's, beat. It's they the, the chemistry once again between the two of them is they can hit those beats. They can mm. hit the beats. They can hit the good jokes, and you miss half of it. I mean, you kind of miss him getting splashed with water, and yet it's a good punch on the arm of that. Once again, hitting the button of those jokes is very well done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a great like again. I like I'm still in this in this zone where I really like this. <sighs> I almost want to call it a detente in their relationship yeah. um, because they have the the history 
and they know how terrible it is and like what how bad it is and they, they'll always have this sexual tension and they're at a point where they can joke about it and almost mess with each other about it like mock each I, other but I, let me ask you this then do you find this relationship better than the will they won't they they're together they hate each other or is this kind of the perfect middle for you which which do you really like the most that's a good question um I, I would, uh, as much as I like parts of season two, I would say because season two, while they are together, is dominated by them frequently almost breaking up and mm-hmm. the emotional turmoil of some of those things. And, and some of it is like they're dramatically amazing points in that season. Um, that's, that's kind of painful to watch with characters that you love when they do that to each mm-hmm. other. And, showing my hand a little bit for the future I'm not really wild about there once they get back together in season 5 yeah. uh, and some of the romance there so I would say I don't like them together do I like them in season 1 before they're together when it's still an innocent flirtation or do I like it now I think probably now at this point between season 3 and season 4 when there's a kind of maturity to their relationship yeah. when they've kind of I mean, I, I think Sam even said it in a, in a they went to hell together. And, and I think you can do more with the characters, and you don't have to make it the, the plot of the show. They can just right. have that dancing around going on. Everybody's kind of comfortable with everybody else. You can build tension other places in the bar, in the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and it's just – it's almost more fun. It's not mean-spirited. And it's – there's a kind of rewarding – quality to the writing and the storytelling because it's because so much of it is callback even if it's not mm-hmm. directly referencing something just knowing the history and knowing what they're kind of talking about like that spirit it just feels like it's it's rewarding the people who've been with them for this long mm-hmm. so yeah anyways i just can't i just thought about no it's it. a so good sorry. question i i hadn't really thought about it in in such a way so that's that's good to kind of think about and and i'll i'll, I'll kind of keep that perspective going for the rest of the season too so think about it Anyway, Cliff suggests that you know he can take he can take Woody out and like go like what is he going like scoping for chicks or something? He actually cruising for chicks, cruising for chicks, cruising for chicks. And then when he brings Woody back, he said he phrases it like chickaroonios or something like that. And And he's like, "That sounds fun." What is that? Which confuses yeah Woody and confuses pretty much all of us too. Like, what are you talking about? Chickaroonios or something like that. And then Woody starts to describe his girlfriend Beth and how beautiful and like how wonderful their relationship was. And like as he's leaving, it's like everything I see, everything I touch, everything reminds me of her. And he walks when he just grabs a piece of fruit from the bar. That it was he's a cut lime. <laughs> yeah, lime. And he just kind of holds it in his hand and just with this sense of awe, oh, he's like Beth. <laughs> and everybody freezes and they all kind of do the head cock to the side, like, huh? And it was on my second viewing of this that I finally got it. He's remembering her as large. So he's seeing a round object, and that's what's reminding him. And it's like, the reason they're confused is like, a lime? Yeah. It's a what? And yeah. Yep. You, you also missed one other nice little, uh, little punchline note or joke that was there for Diane. Uh, do you mind if I stick my big fat nose, <laughs> or my big, big fat, fat nose, nose into your affairs? And you, oh, you can stick your big fat nose wherever you like. <laughs> Just ah shucks ah golly, you know, just complete naivete. Mm-hmm. 
once they start to joke, you mentioned how like they they had this big party where they got together and decided, and we don't see it, but they got together and decided to fly Beth out to Boston to see yeah. Woody. And it, it was like it started kind of as an impromptu thing, but everybody got together, even Fraser. But Cliff wasn't invited. Yeah. They keep mocking Cliff not being invited and everything. And Ratzenberger keeps doing this thing, like it's sort of like a shutter shake thing, where he's like he's getting visibly irritated and it's like affecting his body. He does this throughout like this episode, like it keeps building the more and more he gets uh, he gets attacked and everything and i really like it so i just thought i could like fraser's line in there at least i was invited to the party <laughs> very smart i like that so so beth shows up um and cliff is very quick to introduce himself and make sure that he is relevant he describes himself as cliff Clavin do-gooder um and there's this great beat because he starts talking she's like i can't believe how big the city is and he's like boston you know the hub of boston yeah, you know- Boston is the hub of Boston proper, which comprises some, oh, there's probably some two or three quarter million people <laughs> spread out in 83 cities and towns. And then you get, as they always happen, just like a bolt of lightning out of nowhere, that old geriatric voice of Al, get out of here. Do you question my figures? No, I want you to get out of here. <laughs> And everybody, it's it's the same thing as the Sinatra type of thing. Like this was this was almost my home run, just because when Al talks, everybody's like, "What?" <laughs> and he's just such the rummy. I mean, yes. he's, there are people on either side of him. And he just I don't know where just belts us out. And once again, it puts him Cliff into that. You know, I'm gonna go back to my corner. But yeah, it's great. I love that little scene. <laughs> And then, speaking, they were, the, 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 sorry, uh, um, Beth, she tells Sam and Diane that she, that she lost 50 pounds and everything, and, and Diane goes, that's wonderful. Norman, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> just that moment where she looks back at him and he's just like, what the hell, Diane? He's like, for? <laughs> he's like for, put him on the spot, and also just like, ouch, like. And then he you know, defend himself. No, oh, I lost a little bit of weight. And Carla, who has just got the one-liners this episode, yeah. I found it. <laughs> oh yeah, she was she was good earlier. Like when when State when Fraser was feeling bad about himself, she kept on jumping on him and like cut, cutting him down until finally Sam was like, Carla, aren't there some people in the back with open wounds you could salt or something like that? And then when Fraser was like, she starts walking away. And Fraser's like, Sam, you used to be like a fall down slobbering drunk. And he's like, hang on a second, Carla, get back. Hang on, Carla, get back. <laughs> and then basically from there we get into the major plot, which is as soon as Woody and, and Beth see each other, they throw their arms around each other. They actually make a joke. Hey, our hands can touch when they wrap their arms around. He can pick her up yeah, and yeah. everything. And, and they're yeah. like, what do you what do you want to do? I'm really hungry. Let's go eat. And it's like, hey, Woody just got back from lunch. And of course they pick this up. And then the next time we see them, like Woody is stuffing his face with like a ding dong or something like that and talking about all the big breakfast that they've had. <laughs> what does he describe? He's like, they had a... Eggs and sausage and bacon, like and, and pancakes yeah. and everything, and they they topped it off the sorbet that they topped it off with was eggs Benedict. <laughs> and, and Norm starts yeah. describing like what is that? That's, that's like topping off a, a like a, a, a steak rib, dinner a, with a pork chop. Yeah, pork chop. <laughs> and Woody's like, "That's a great idea." And he's like, "Oh, I can't take credit for it. It's the hungry heifers, pred- like carnivore platter." <laughs> I had, to re- I had to rewind that one a couple times because I was laughing too hard. I'm like, what did he say, Hungry Heifer's Carnivore Planner? That's good. <laughs> Once again, Hungry Heifer. The Hungry Heifer makes its appearance. So they're all quick to find, figure out, okay, why is he doing this? Um, and they all have, 
kind of like interesting diagnoses. I mean, Sam kind of compares it to his alcoholism. He's like, he's got some friends yeah. that he can't be with or he can't be around them without drinking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. maybe like that's just the way that Beth and Woody are. Once they get together, they compulsively eat. And Diane has another thought. And then Fraser. Diane, with- Diane thinks that that is good. Mm-hmm. Diane, w- Diane points out that that was a very good analysis that, mm-hmm. that Sam made. Yeah. Um, but, and then, um, Frazier comes in, he's like, thank you, amateur psychologist. And he, he gives his whole spiel about how they, he talks about their background or were they, you know, very conservative and do they feel that premarital sex is wrong? And he kind of goes through the whole thing and he starts talking about sublimation and he, he has this thing where he goes on his little sidetrack and he's like, when Diane left Sam and he started drinking again, he was filling the void. And Diane filled her void by, Toying with and or or, or Play, sleep, toying playing with, and playing. playing with with a man who's her cultural and intellectual superior <laughs> in every way and starts screaming. Another scene, another one of these clips that they used in the, in the uh, Cheers. Yep, in the Cheers anniversary show. Always remember which is, again, every time I see one of them, it's like that clicks in my head. It's like ah, this is where it's from. Yep, yeah. Um. And then, and then, like he, he kind of goes off, and, and I love that Diane is like, you know, forget about Fr- like Frazier's, you know, Freudian, you know, hypo- like hypothesis. She's like, as anyone will tell you, I am a strict Skinnerian, like, like talking about some other, other like psychologist or something. It's like, yeah, anybody would tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> Diane, yeah. her support. Diane, those remember where you're at. Remember your location. <laughs> <laughs> These people know. Um, so they end up bringing her uh, to the uh, to the restaurant. And they all go, and um, when they're there, you know, they're they're just basically just eating broccoli and celery and everything. They keep making a joke. And, uh, yeah, it's like I I have a lot more energy than I usually do after I eat real food. <laughs> my Woody has a line. It's my runner up for my home run. It wasn't my run. My home run. It was for a little while, but it's just my runner up. And he, when he starts talking to Beth, he's like, "I was just thinking about something the janitor said. Cheers said about sublimation." And I love that he just offhand describes Frazier as the janitor. <laughs> it's so quick to like think about. It. It's like, yeah, Frazier. Like Woody has only been there for a week. <laughs> like, uh-huh. so- yeah, 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 yeah. No, that that's it's it's legit. <laughs> Uh, let's cleanse our palate with eclairs. That was the other line I had here, too. (laughs) So, yeah, they they realized that, you know, they they each kind of assumed that the other one didn't want to have sex or didn't want to indulge in everything like that. And once they realized that that is no longer a block, they're quick to get out of there, leaving Sam and Diane alone, and they start talking about their own kind of past and everything, and before long, they start... Repaying, rehashing their their sexual tension, and once it gets to the awkward stage, they start chewing down on the broccoli or the celery sticks, and then cut to later that night. The the they're closing, they're turning off the lights outside the restaurant, mm-hmm. and they've got platters and platters of food, and they're still calling back to the kitchen to get everything they can. Yep. So yep. nice little little visual gag for the end of the episode. But. Yep. 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 Uh, it, I liked this episode, and really even going through it, and I think. What you just did right there kind of epitomizes why this episode's not great. Mm-hmm. They can they didn't stick the landing. They didn't stick the landing. It's like they they went with like a oh we're go- we're going to eat a lot of food joke and it, it just it was like ah uh, it, it yeah okay. it didn't feel it, like it ended it but yeah. it was like not great I don't yeah. know they it just they missed something there I don't know how they could have fixed it but it, that just yeah. wasn't great because I liked 
the moment between Sam and Diane before that, before the cut to when they're Mm -hmm. just kind of remembering it and kind of getting caught up and lost in their own passions. And they're kind of like comfortable with each other. And it's starting to get to that point. Just again, it boils down to the chemistry of the actors and how good they are together. I I was just really liking that moment. I was like, you just need some line. You just need a funny punchline or something to crystallize it. And they both like, even if, even if there had been a slightly funnier gag, and then they both just awkwardly eat their bro- their celery sticks or something like that. And then that had been maybe the something about like some maybe something like you, you know who else likes this food is rabbits or you know so you, <laughs> yeah make it even know. more awkward you know so I, I yeah something something one little funny gag that then just chowing down on food was like eh, eh, yeah okay fine. Yeah, I, that, that's that's where it just kind of falls apart for me. But otherwise, I enjoyed it. I like I said, I think that their guest star was good. I thought that um, overall, the the uh, the psychology, the, the bartending psychology, or the the barfly psychology that they were all kind of giving Woody. You know, how are we going to? What's going to you know occupy us this time around? We need something to keep our interest and keep us entertained tonight. Ah, it's going to be Woody's love life, right? <laughs> and I think probably other than just like seeing Sam and Diane just banter and, and and how comfortable and how good they are together at this point, I think probably the strength of this episode is we we actually see that Woody is a good character and Woody has yeah. like has there's room to grow with this character, but he's a good replacement for coach and i mean he was he was good in his first appearance but that wasn't like the emphasis of the episode i mean there you kind of had to get over the hump of introducing him and there's a bit of a learning curve there and you got to kind of get acclimated to this character with this new energy and is he dumb like coach is or is he a different kind of dumb like where where is this kind of going and that you kind of have to get get used to this character and i think for the first time you're like okay this is a good character who fits in with this group he's he's a different character there's a different vibe but i like him and i want to spend time and see him grow with these characters so i think as a a showcase for woody it's not bad it's not his best but it's not bad and you needed somebody to replace the good character the nice character because that's what coach was coach was the naive but nice and you needed to fill that role back again and this time they did with the young but you need that because there are so many there's so many characters that are just mean i mean i i love cliff i love norm i love all of them but they're all mean well i would say and i would say coach and carla opera like operate at opposite poles yeah they're yeah, north yeah, and yeah. south basically like can couldn't be more different and like they accentuate those things and everybody else is somewhere on the spectrum between them, and sometimes that's right. So, yeah, without without coach to to show up the balance, you need another character. And instead of somebody who's been hit in the head by a lot of fastballs, you have this sort of farm boy, in a sense, and this kind of like <laughs> like small town, possibly kicked by a, a cow a few times, you know. But maybe, but you know. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Woody is just the nice kind of genuine accepting and tolerant of everybody because he kind of has a big heart for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. And and that's that's what we need in the show. We right. need that big heart. Right. right. It's a little known fact for, for a little uh, trivia thing. Uh, this was more just sort of like looking at the meta thing of the show. Um, this is Diane's first time back in the bar, first episode there, since <laughs> Cheerio Cheers last season. So she actually went four consecutive episodes without doing a scene in the bar. All right. Yeah. She doesn't need to be there, and according to how she her work ethic, it doesn't really matter if she's there or not. 
At least she wasn't reading at this time. <laughs> well, they didn't have to. They didn't have to hide her pregnancy, so she wasn't in the back of the bar reading a book. But. So. Oh, I forgot. We we did forget Norm's entrance. Unless that was your uh, your punch, your favorite. No, joke it, it wasn't. But you can say it. Yeah. Uh, I, what do you say to beer, Normie? <laughs> hey, sailor, new in town. <laughs> I always like the Norm entrances. <laughs> got some good ah. yep. uh, speaking of that, for Norm's tab, I gave him five beers this episode, which brings him up to 295 for the season. Ooh-ah. Yeah. We're getting uh, up to that $500. He's going to have to up the credit to $1,000. <laughs> getting into the, the superlative categories, um, for the employee of the week, um, I actually I, I gave it to Woody. Um, and there were a lot of characters who did good, but I felt like as as the first episode that's going to kind of be plot-based around Woody and his thing, I thought that he stuck this one, and he made a good, not a first impression, but a good second impression that will be a lasting impression, that it's like, yeah, I'm with, I'm with this character. Um, so yeah, I just I, thought he did a really good job. I, I was having a real hard time with this one, because I thought everyone did a fine job, mm-hmm. um, and I was really having somebody that really stuck it out for me. I ended up going with Frasier, because mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that, you know, what could have been just a really sad sack joke just his energy and how much he was into all the scenes and the fact that he has become one of the guys at the bar not just a jilted lover but just somebody who is actually friends with these people too mm-hmm. so i i, I like that i liked that he was part of the you know barfly psychology session that was going on and just i just like how he was integral part and his jokes seemed to land really well so yeah, yeah. I, I chose him cool cool good uh, all right, then for the home run or the the funniest gag, the best one, there were a couple of contenders. Um, what did you end up with? I think I got to go with the uh, toying with and playing with a man who was a cultural <laughs> superior in every way. It was really between that or like we mentioned before, the one with Al. I kind of kept going back and forth between those two. Um, they, they both were making me laugh hysterically. Um, yeah, there, there was one other line that I that I did go back to. I heard my life. My wife busted up laughing on, but I'll see if you use that. I, I'm going to go ahead and go with the the uh, the Fraser Fraser's rant. Fraser's rant. <laughs> rant during his diagnosis. Yeah. Um, I, I love it when uh, when Woody and Beth when they first reunite, and he is so grateful to Sam and Diane that they brought her out there. And he says, "After the Twirly Brothers back home, you guys are the closest friends I have." And Beth just kind of stops him and she goes, "Woody, after you left, both Twirly Brothers made unwanted advances on me, and like." Woody only thinks about it for a second and then looks at Sam and Diane with a big smile and he goes, hey, that makes you my closest friends. You can see him like just erasing that mark out of his memory <laughs> yeah, and like exactly, exactly. moving on. Like, that could have been a horrible experience where you feel utterly betrayed by your old best friends, but instead it's like, hey, the people I'm with are like, cool, they're like my best friend. Like, they just moved you up a spot and I'm with you, so this is great. This is good news all around. It's just, Once again, it's it's resetting exactly what our expectations of what he is. It's like, yeah. this is how he operates. And I felt like that, like... It's not worded the same way, it's not delivered the same way, but that sort of felt in, to me almost like the spirit of Coach and the way yeah. Coach would approach that situation, would yeah, turn yeah. what could be a bad situation into a pleasant one. I agree, I agree. Uh, the other one I was going to mention, too, is uh, when um, Diane asks Sam if she wants to go out to eat with them, and he said, well, gosh, I think t- tonight I'm going to be shaving my head with a cheese grater and chewing tinfoil. <laughs> and once again, Woody says, oh, well, how about tomorrow? How about tomorrow? 
sarcasm's not lost on the boy. <laughs> uh, and the other one that I like when they were at the dinner table, and, and Diane goes, "Sam, can I tempt you with the last piece of broccoli?" He goes, "It depends what you're going to do with it." So. <laughs> but, uh, so. For for being a middling episode, we are laughing hysterically at just the great one-liners in it. I mean, and that's that's the thing. It's, that's what we come here for. Cheers for is a good repertoire, the good one-liners. I feel that you know justifies why I wanted to do a podcast about it because, as I've said, the weakest of the weakest among the, the weakest episodes of the show are still really, really funny and really good and really rewatchable. So, Rick, I want to thank you for coming back to Cheers season four. Uh, as always, love talking to you. And I, I did your introductions, but for the listeners, where else can they find you in the podcastosphere? Well, you can always find me and my co-host Jeff, aka My Stuffed Broccoli, over <laughs> at our show called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which is about the most underrated comic book of the 80s power pack i also have a little movie show called monthly monday movie muck about where i bring somebody on and we talk about a movie that they have never seen it's a lot of fun check me out please all right and thank you to all of you who listen to cheers cast and support the show by liking and sharing on facebook favoriting and retweeting on twitter and leaving a comment on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com as always, you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Rick right here from Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, who sponsors this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite shows on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we are closed. Now listen to me, Woody. As healthy but moral human beings, you and Beth sublimated your lust into the sensual pleasure of eating. As your fondness grew, so did your appetites. Well, in short, food became your substitute for sex. Vera became mine. <laughs> you really think that's what it is, Dr. Crane? Oh, yes, it's quite common. Well, for example, when Diane left Sam and he started drinking again, he was filling the void that Diane left. And Diane filled her emptiness by toying with and... <laughs> destroying a man who's her cultural and intellectual superior in every way. 